The following audio is from the Grove Church. To find out more about our church or to check out previous messages, go to our website at grove.church. Good morning, church. So nice to be with you all today. Um, I'm Heather, I'm Pastor Nick's wife, if we haven't met before. Uh, Nick is coming back from the Dominican Republic, the missions trip. As we speak, he's probably somewhere flying over Atlanta, maybe. And um, I know that he misses being here today. He misses you all. Uh, I think he might miss me just a little bit more, but um, <laughs> he'll be back next week. And I'm so happy, but he'll be raring to go. Uh, how many of you have played the game Apples to Apples before? Yeah, okay, so quite a few, but if you haven't, it's a game of words, and it's a lot of fun. So as a group, you get uh, seven red cards to hold in your hand that are secrets, and on those red cards are things like uh, names of people, places, events, things, etc. And so you might have Nicolas Cage or the Eiffel Tower, World War II, my hair, things like that. And then um, you take turns going around flipping over a green card, which is in the middle of the table, and um, it has a descriptive word on it. So it might be like uh, horrible or gigantic or um, hilarious, words like that that are descriptors. And so every round you take a card out of your hand and you lay it what you think best uh, will match what the descriptive word is. But if you're really good at this game, you're not just trying to match what you think is best out of your hand. You want to read the person who is going to be judging that card. So some people are very literal and will want very literal uh, interpretations of that word. Other people want a hilarious answer and go for what, the one that makes them laugh the most or creative. And it's a lot of fun. It's a great way to get to know people in a group because you're judging and you get to know how they think a little bit. So my family, when we play, and maybe you do this too, I don't think it's in the rules, but when we play, we like to, uh, at the end, read our green cards that we won throughout the game, and, and we read them like I am, as descriptors for ourselves. So I might read something like, I am horrible or horrific, I am gigantic, and I'm hilarious. And um, it's a lot of fun to do that. So today, Grove Church, uh, you have won three green cards, and your words are, you are authentic, passionate, and fun. And um, I love these words because I think they do describe uh, you as a individuals and as a community together. We're in a series called Connect the Dots, and these words come from that, that we have these things that we call, they're eight statements that we call the code, and in the code, it sort of teases out who we are, how we love, connect, and serve. And all of the codes, um, they work together a bit, and sometimes they overlap a little bit, and today, our three codes, I think, work great together. We're gonna spend a little bit more time, and by a little bit, I mean a lot more time on one of the words and sort of just hit the last two uh, a little bit faster. So if uh, you think, whoa, this is going long and we've only gotten to one, don't worry. We're okay, guys. We're only going to um, hit the other, but you'll see that they worked together. Um, a lot of times uh, when people come to the Grove Church, they'll use words like home or I feel welcome or belong. And it comes from this word authenticity. And so this is our first code that we're going to go over. We are real people challenging real people. We are easy to be around and dedicated to growing together. So when we say real, we mean that uh, there's no need to pretend to be more or less than what we are. We are real, we are who we are. We struggle, we make mistakes, we have questions that we don't have answers for, and that's okay, but we are people who are striving to be all God saw when he created us, 
We might bump around a little bit in that. That's what that means, that real. Uh, We mean living a congruent life, that I don't say one thing and do another. I am just really who I am. That's authenticity. But we don't mean it as an excuse to be abrasive or sort of just never change. Just accept who I am. That's just the way it is. But in our world, to uh, keep it real or I'm just being real, man, you know, like those are phrases that people say all the time. Um, And that has come to mean something that is a little bit rude or crude or abrasive or like non-apologetic for my flaws. You know, if you don't like it, just forget you. That's the attitude of what real has come to mean. But as people who have a relationship with the love of Jesus Christ, our real selves should be the opposite of that kind of real. We should be authentically kind. We should be uh, striving toward goodness. We should be um, honest, but not in the way that is needing to be in your face about honesty. And uh, we should be humbly confident in who God made us to be. Not accepting just, oh, this is just the way I am, but we want to uh, strive towards goodness. And we answer those who don't like us, and there will be some who don't. That's okay, right? Uh, We answer them not with forget you, but with just winsomeness and respect and love. I don't think that we can talk about this word authenticity without talking about identity. And this word identity is something that I have bumped up against over and over and over for the last few months, everywhere I go, every book I've read, every podcast I listen to, even in um, my son's curriculum, I homeschool my youngest son and in our Bible curriculum, um, we're talking about identity and it's everywhere. And in our culture, identity, I think we have a crisis of identity that people are constantly figuring out who am I asking that question and attaching themselves to all kinds of things. Maybe it is a, um, a cause that they deem worthy. And so I am an activist for this cause. That's who I am. Maybe it's uh, lesser gods. My children are staring at me through the window right now. <laughs> Um, Anyway, oh, okay, that was distracting, but nobody can distract you like your own children, right, guys? All right. So lesser gods, and what I mean by that is uh, maybe going all in on success. That's who I am. I'm a successful fill in the blank. Maybe it's all in on the American way of life, that I have a perfect home decorated just like Chip and Joanna. I have children who behave and are perfect and never do anything wrong. I go on two or three vacations every year that I get to post on Instagram with all the pictures of my food, Ryan Laufer. Um, (laughs) All the people online know what I'm talking about. He talks about his uh, vacation food all the time. But anyway... (laughs) Um, I drive a Tesla, and I just am striving towards that American dream. Sometimes that is an identifier. Maybe you're tempted to cling to uh, your own self-sufficiency, my ability to get it done. And maybe we are identified by something negative. Maybe it's a perceived lack that we have or something that happened to us a long time ago, and now we have taken on the identity of victim and blaming other people for all kinds of things. I don't know, but have you ever stopped to ask this? How does God see me? What has he called me? What did he uniquely create me to be and to do? Have you ever stopped to ask that? Doesn't it make sense to be identified by the one who created you? It seems so obvious and so like, well, of of course you have, but have you really? 
And if I'm honest, I think that I have only, most of my life gone to, I am a child of God. And that's good. That's fantastic. That is step one. I'm a child of God. That means a lot. But God, what did you uniquely create me for? We all have unique fingerprints. You know, if you ever commit a crime, you're going to leave your fingerprints all behind, so don't, don't do it. But um, I believe... <laughs> I believe that we all have unique fingerprints in the spiritual realm that God has created us to reverberate in the, the uh, communities and the conversations and the things that we encounter, that we have a unique fingerprint that God has made us to be. Um, who am I? What was I set on earth to do? We're going to get back to that in a minute. But last week, Ryan talked about Peter and he named all the good and the bad and the ugly of Peter's life, that there was a lot of, a lot of good, a lot of bad. But um, did you, while he was talking, did you remember that Peter is not even actually his name? What was his name? Do you remember? Simon, yes. And if you're at home, answer out loud to all the people in your room too. Um, Simon was his given name. And Simon was a fisherman from Bethsaida, we know that he, his dad's name was John. His brother's name was Andrew. Um, he, we know from uh, seeing all the different uh, scenarios play out that Peter was bold, that he was sometimes a little bit brash. Um, he would step out and do something and say something that was really, really, oh yeah, you got it, Peter, that's bold, you do it. And then immediately you'd see him kind of cower behind. He'd walk on water, but then when he realized what he was doing, he was like, wait a second. <laughs> when, uh, when Jesus met with his disciples for the Passover, the last meal that they would have together, uh, Peter, it was the one who said, when the Lord said, somebody's gonna deny me, he stepped out and said, not me. If, even if all these other clowns d deny you or abandon you, I got your back, Jesus. And then just a few hours later, when Jesus needed him most, he denies him, right? So we see this uh, kind of, ooh, what's going on with Peter? Because he's back and forth, back and forth. Uh, but let's look at why in our gospels, why is he sometimes called Simon, sometimes Peter, and sometimes Simon Peter? And maybe some of you already know this story, but it's gonna be new for others. Um, but I thought that this was really interesting, that this, uh, what we're gonna read in John 1, 40 through 42, is the first instance ever recorded, according to the people who know things, um, of Peter being used as a name. Before that, it was just a word, chair, floor. Now it's like a common name, we hear it all the time. Pete, Peter, it's just normal, it doesn't seem like something different, but at this moment, when uh, Jesus calls him, Peter, it is a novel thing and it <clears throat> new, excuse me. So in verse 40 of John 1, Andrew Simon, Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. And this is straight out of the gate in meeting Peter, Simon, for the first time. Jesus is calling his disciples and this encounter is right the first time that Jesus meets Simon. Andrew went to find his brother, Simon, and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought a Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas. And Cephas is not Peter, but Cephas is the Aramaic, whereas Peter is the Greek. So it means the same thing. And we're gonna see that in a second. So sometime later, Jesus says something similar. He reiterates this to Simon. And that account is found in Matthew 16, starting in verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, 
Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, there's that boldness. Do you realize, did you catch it? <laughs> that Jesus asks the disciples, but guess who's the one who answers? Peter. And Peter says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you, you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Did you catch it? That renaming? What does he call, Pe what does he call Simon? Peter, and Peter means rock. Peter, you are something solid and upon this something solid, I'm gonna use you to build my kingdom. The whole thing that Jesus came to earth to do was to redeem mankind, and I'm gonna use you to build the church, and here we are 2,000 years later, built on something that Jesus started in this moment with Peter. Jesus uh, hands Peter a purpose and defines him all in the blink of an eye. Simon, you're Peter. You're a rock. And you can almost uh, see, see Jesus grabbing Peter, you know, like beseeching him. Peter, get this. You're going to need this. That he switches it. He says, um, who do people say I am? Who do you say I am? And when Peter answers, he says, that's right. That is, that is my correct name. I am Messiah. And now I'm going to rightly name you. You are rock. You thought Dwayne the Rock Johnson was the first one, right? <laughs> Nope, he stole it from Peter. Peter the Rock, Simon the P Rock Peter. Here we go. <laughs> um, guess who I say you are? You are a rock. It's so beautiful. I love this exchange so much that, that uh, Jesus said, I'm gonna use you to shepherd my church. He wasn't a rock yet. And as uh, Ryan talked about last week, we see some of that uh, going back and forth between this already and yet not yet in Peter's life. And as one commentator put it, Jesus knows people thoroughly and not only sees into them, but so calls them that he makes them what he calls them to be. That throughout the gospels and into Acts, we see Peter being made into what Jesus calls him at this moment, rock. Um, Peter, Cling to this truth. That's what Jesus is saying. You're going to need this because there is going to come a moment. Jesus knows when he's, Peter is going to deny him and he's going to wonder, do I have any purpose anymore? Was this all for nothing? I just blew it big time. And Jesus is saying, you are a rock. Don't forget this. Cling to this. Make this an anchor upon you. I will. Not I will, maybe, but I will use you to build my church. And I'm convinced of this fact that we all need an encounter, an identifying moment with Jesus where we can cling to that anchor and go back to it in the lows and the highs of our lives. And if we could get a hold of this, I am identified as this by the, my creator, then I know it would eliminate feudal living. It would eliminate the need to compete or compare because I would be convinced of who you have made me to be and I would stop clinging to the wrong things.
Um, when I confess Jesus as my savior, when I remember that I was knit together in my mother's womb, and I ask God, what did you create me for? Then, and only then, can I really truly become the real deal I was created for this version of me. And Grove Church, if we could have a church full of people who would be so convinced in your being who you were created to be and what you were created to do, I know without a shadow of a doubt that there would be no stopping the hope of Jesus Christ from reaching every person in our communities, in our neighborhoods, because we'd all be living out from God. You made me to be this. I can excel at this because this is what I was created for. There's a song that we used to sing called How He Loves, and I love a line that is in it. And every time we sing it, we don't sing it very often anymore, but every time I sing it, I sing it out because I think it's so profound, but it says, I just spit, I'm sorry. You're extra anointed today. <laughs> um, it says this, I don't have time to maintain these regrets when I think about the way you love me. Wow, regrets take a lot of maintenance. Comparison takes a lot of maintenance. Competing takes a lot of maintenance. Uh, holding grudges takes a lot of maintenance. If we could stop clinging to and identifying with the wrong things and just be all that God saw when he created us, we wouldn't cling to the wrong things. We wouldn't have to maintain, we would just be. La uh, two weeks ago, Nick said this, what we believe determines how we behave. Oh, so true when it comes to what I believe about who God created me to be. It will determine what I allow into my life, what behaviors I act out, what kind of conversations I have, how I speak to myself. What I believe about how God made me determines what I do, how I behave. So let me ask it. Let's start with the most basic question. Do you believe you were created? Most basic. Because the big story that you tell yourself about how I got here and where I'm going starts with that. And if you don't, I would invite you to accept Jesus today and know that you were created. Okay, so step further. Do you believe that you were created on purpose with a purpose? Do you believe he took care in putting you together and put you on the earth for this moment to do unique things to bring Jesus unique, uh, people to Jesus uniquely? because what you believe determines how you behave. Um, some of us need to repent of comparison and competing and clinging to lesser gods. I, I know it's true, and this is maybe a little too touchy-feely for some people, I understand that, I really do get it, and yet it is a basic question that determines what we do, what we think. All right, so I'm gonna um, return us back to like elementary school and I have a visual aid for you, a really, really high-tech visual aid um, because I think that visually things stick with us better than just hearing something. So here we go. This is a vase, super high-tech, I know, rocket science. This is a strainer or a colander if you prefer, but nonetheless, a strainer. If I was designed and created to be a strainer, but I am trying to be a vase, I will forever be frustrated. I will forever be trying to work hard, plugging all these holes that was put there on purpose, designed into the strainer for a reason. 
I will be frustrated with them if I'm just trying to hold water and I'm constantly losing water. We were created on purpose for a purpose and identity only works when we consult the designer, the creator for what I was created to be. Okay, so I, um, I'm gonna tell you a story and I have to be honest, I do not wanna tell this story. I, um, I had a pit in my stomach all week long from the moment that I knew that I was gonna tell this story and all the way up until this moment, <laughs> this morning I was like, am I telling this story? But I think I am, so here we go. Um, <laughs> the reason I don't wanna tell it is because it feels really vulnerable and I feel like uh, it opens me up to your judgments, your criticisms of my own relationship with the Lord. I, uh, and mostly, honestly, I don't want you to think I'm a weirdo. This is like a weird story. So <laughs> there you go. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, about three years ago, I was driving along and I don't remember where I had heard this, but I saw somebody discussing or heard this discussion of somebody talking about uh, asking God what he sees when he looks at them. And I was a little bit intrigued by this. I was like, huh, that's, that's different. I mean, I always am pretty much focusing on what, how I view God, what I think of God, not that he thinks of me other than maybe, like I said, as a child of God. It was a new thought, but it was intriguing to me enough that I remember where I was driving when I said out loud, God, what do you see when you look at me? And instantly like that, not a second went by before I could hardly get the question out and the word warrior came into my mind. And it wasn't audible, it was just in my mind. Um, and I scoffed out loud. <laughs> well, that didn't work. <laughs> I am uh, definitely not a warrior. A uh, warrior is bold. <laughs> a warrior is sure. A warrior doesn't care about what other people think. A warrior just gets out there and gets it done. I like to have all my ducks in a row and all the answers before I act. I like to hold back and wait to see what everybody else is doing before I'll do anything. Uh, thank you very much. I am not a warrior. Uh, God, did you say warrior? Because that would trick. <laughs> um, so I dismissed it. I was like, yeah, that didn't work. That's funny, I don't know why the word warrior came to my mind. I was like, was I listening to a song with warrior? Like, where did that come from? So I let it go, didn't think about it again. Fast forward to about six weeks ago. And as I said, this word identity has been coming up everywhere I go. And I was having a conversation with Pastor Aaron and he, uh, he shared a podcast that his wife had shared with him because everything good comes from Cassandra, I'm convinced. Um, <laughs> And so on the podcast was a man named Jamie Winship, and he was talking about his relationship with the Lord and just the easy way with which he lives with God. And I was intrigued by it. And he said that he encourages every person to ask the question, God, what do you call me? Like a unique name that God would call us. And I think that is so intriguing that I was like, okay, I'm going to give it a try. I promise you to the core of my being that I had forgot this other experience and I wasn't even thinking about it. But the minute that I asked the question, God, what do you call me? The word warrior came to my mind again. And I was like, oh, that's right. We've done this before. <laughs> so for the past few weeks, I've had to sort of sit with this word going, what is that about? As I described, I am fearful 
I'm a people pleaser. I am not a warrior. This is so weird, God. What do you mean by this? And what is it that, um, what is it that I need to know about being a warrior? But I have come to find purpose in this word. I have come to uh, think and live differently with this identity. Now I'll tell you, I haven't suddenly become so weird that I like walk around town with warrior paint on. I'm a warrior, got it? Um, In fact, I haven't told a soul until I decided to tell uh, 400 of my closest friends and uh, all of online uh, about this story. I haven't said it to anybody because I was just like, I don't know what to do with this. Now, my husband did read through my notes earlier this week, so he now knows that I consider myself a warrior. (laughs) Or the Lord considers me a warrior anyway. Um, But I was just like, God, I don't know what to do with with this. But I will tell you that uh, when I would normally hold back or hesitate or wait for somebody else to step into situations and conversations where I might not uh, give my thoughts or my opinion, where I would tread lightly, uh, when I go to pray, I remind myself, I'm a warrior. I don't worry. I am a warrior. I don't have the answers. I don't have to have the answers. I just have to bring it to the God who made me and the, the, made the universe, who created all that. That's all I have to do. When I uh, sense conflict rising up or something that it normally would cause me to like shrink back and walk out of the room, I remind myself, God, you call me a warrior. I know that you have given me the truth that sets men free. You have given me the gift of a a beauty that can heal hearts through my words. God, you have created me to make peace here. And I can step up to war with that banner in mind because that's what God created me to do. I don't have to wait for permission. I don't have to think somebody else has got it. All I need is a wink from the one who made me who says, get in there, you got this. I am a warrior. That's who God made me to be. For Peter, it was a rock. Do you know what God calls you, what God made you for? Because what you believe determines how you behave. That's word one, guys. Two more. (laughs) Two minutes. Passionate. (laughs) We are passionate people. We will honor God with all-in risk-taking faith. And here's the deal. Once you know what God calls you and what his purpose is for you, that naturally leads into passion. It sparks passion because you can't help but uh, be passionate. And have you ever watched somebody's eyes light up when they talk about what they're excited about and what they're passionate about? A previously quiet, inward person might just suddenly come alive and have all kinds of things to say about what they're passionate about. And as the Grove Church, we are so passionate about pointing people to the hope of Jesus Christ. Amen? Ours, our eyes light up when we talk about that. Um, and here's the deal. In our passion, we were all, as previously discussed, created uniquely so that passion comes out in different ways. And that's what we have to remember. Because when we are passionate, it's easy to sort of forget, oh yeah, not everybody feels the same way. You kind of uh, can carry a little bit of uh, aggressiveness or judgmentalism, judgmentalism. I don't know if that's a word. Just call me George Bush, guys. Um, <laughs> if you don't join me on this, you're bad. Or come on, 
on. We're, we, should be, we should be passionate about this. Uh, so it's easy to forget that, but we cannot forget to walk out in grace when it comes to passion with one another. Because uh, the second half of that first code is that we are easy to be around and we're growing together. If we forget grace in our passion, we will not be easy to get along with or, uh, and we will not be growing together. We will be at odds. We will grow apart. So in our passion for Jesus, we have got to remember grace. Last week, Ryan talked about the as, as people of the Grove, that we are risk takers. And if you didn't listen to that, I would encourage you go back and listen because he has a lot of thought provoking uh, ideas about risk taking. I am not a natural, as previously discussed, natural risk taker. Um, But uh, this is one thought I wanted to highlight here. He said, if we strive for things that we know can be accomplished only through natural human strength, and we only take a step when we know we can make it or accomplish it, we will never experience the supernatural. Playing it safe is risky. In my natural self, I just want to be back at camp tending fires. But that's risky because God has called me out to be a warrior. Playing it safe is risky. All right, last one is fun. We will laugh hard, loud, and often. Nothing is more fun than serving God with people you love. Grove Church, we are on a serious mission and we are serious about the saving work of Jesus Christ, the hope of Jesus Christ, reaching every person all around us. We are so serious about this. And also we are committed to the good medicine of laughter. I hope every time you walk into this place, you're greeted with a smile, with a hug, and you don't leave before you've had a good belly laugh because God has made us with humor. God has made us to laugh and enjoy. And we really, really here at The Grove believe that there is nothing more fun than serving Jesus Christ with people you love. It's who we are, it's in our DNA. And um, in America, this is a tragedy. I don't think that the word Christian and serving Jesus naturally uh, invokes the, the idea of fun or laughter in the minds of the people around us. That is a tragedy. Serving God is fun. God is funny. Read the Bible, you'll find out God is funny. Um, and I believe that every room we walk into, every workplace, every home, if we are followers of Jesus, we should be some of the most fun and enjoyable people in the room. And if we are known as grumpy or sour constantly, I think we've got to say, search my heart, oh God. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Figure out why. God, why am I sour? Why am I grumpy? Because passion and authenticity naturally spark joy. It's a natural outflow of being who God created you to be and doing what God created you to do should be fun and enjoyable because I'm no longer a strainer trying to be a vase. So Grove Church, you are authentic, you are passionate, and you are fun. Let's not forget grace when we are passionate. Let's not forget to laugh when we're so serious about the saving work of Jesus Christ. And let us not miss the opportunity to be identified by the one who created us so that we cannot stop short of all that God saw when he created us. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, 
We do thank you that you have lovingly knit every person in this room and watching online together. God, that you created them on purpose and for a purpose. God, I pray that we wouldn't stop until we know what that is, God. And the specifics maybe in the day in and day out, in the seasons of life where things change, but God, you have still called us. For Peter, it was a rock. God, I pray that every person in here would be curious to know, Lord, what do you call them? What have you made them for? And God, I pray that we would not be guilty of identifying or becoming anything less than what you made us for. Jesus, I thank you for each person. I thank you for the fact that nothing is more fun than serving you with all these people in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Message Podcast. To keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, or check us out at our website, grove.church.